Our Bible reading is from Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at verse 16. This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Our second reading comes from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvellous in our eyes. According to the Gospels, Jesus applies that saying to himself. It's taken from Psalm 118. Stone rejected by the builders, as Sarah said, but in this saying it becomes the head of the corner or, or the capstone. And one of the reasons why Jesus may have done this is because if he spoke Aramaic, then the word for stone and the word for son sound very similar. So as he talks about the religious leaders rejecting him as God's son, he also cites this verse about himself saying he is the stone rejected by the builders. It's a play on words. The stone the builders rejected, the son rejected by the builders, ends up being the capstone, the stone which occupies the pride of place in the building, which holds everything else together. It's one of the places in the Gospels where Jesus anticipates the way in which God will vindicate him following rejection by the religious leaders and the shame of crucifixion. Here's a picture of a capstone. It's the stone at the top of an archway. actually holds the archway together, put in place, and everything else kind of is held in place once the capstone is in position. That's why it's also called the keystone. Take this one away and the arch will collapse. You see the second picture, in the diagram to the right, 
There's no capstone or keystone, and there's little to prevent the stones at the top simply from falling out. And if they do, then the whole archway will disintegrate. But in the left-hand diagram, you can see how the irregular stone at the top is actually ideally shaped to hold everything else in place. And you can imagine the builders wondering, where are we going to find a place for a stone like that? And then discovering, actually, that's the shape of stone. They need to finish everything off and finish the archway and put it all in place. If Jesus set the ball rolling in terms of applying Old Testament scripture references about a stone to himself, his followers lost no time in taking up his lead. The prophet Isaiah spoke a couple of times about a stone. Chapter 28, verse 16, the Lord declares he is laying in Zion a tested and precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And here the stone is not a capstone or keystone at the top of an archway, but a foundation stone, the first stone of the building to be laid. And you've seen a picture of that, courtesy of Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. This stone needed to be chosen and set in place with great care. If it was not securely laid, the whole building would be correspondingly fragile. And it needed to be set in exactly the right place because the alignment of that stone determined the alignment of the entire building. Get that stone wrong, nothing else is right. Get it right, the building is okay. So a cornerstone was selected and placed with great care. In Isaiah 28, God says he is putting in place a tested and precious cornerstone for a firm foundation. And because he is doing so, the one who trusts or stands firm will not slip away. That's what the Hebrew Bible says. Happily for the followers of Jesus, the Greek translator of this verse talks about the one who trusts in it, not being ashamed. Or bearing in mind that Jesus referred to himself as the stone and the stone is personified, it could be taken to mean that the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. It becomes a verse that talks about how those who put their faith in Jesus will be secure. They won't be ashamed, they won't be put to shame, perhaps on the day of judgment when God exposes and judges the thoughts and intentions of our hearts, because Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our security. And if we make him the foundation stone on which we build our lives, we will never have cause to regret that decision, nor should we ever be ashamed of him. Jesus is God's chosen and precious cornerstone, the one in whom God calls us to put our trust. But as in chapter 8, Isaiah talks about another stone. And I haven't got a picture of this, sorry. A stone that makes people stumble and a rock that makes them fall over, but it's easy enough to visualise. The people are called to regard the Lord as holy and to be in fear and dread of him as opposed to being scared of their enemies because the Lord will be a sanctuary for them to keep them safe. But those who fail to make the Lord their sanctuary will instead find that their failure to trust in him means that he himself will become the cause of their downfall. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. The implication is either you honour and fear the Lord as holy and make him the foundation stone on which you build your life or you can ignore him and end up tripping over him in which case he becomes a stone that causes you to stumble. The stone is there. Do you build on it or do you fall over it? Do you include God and make him the foundation stone for your life or do you exclude him, in which case he will be the cause of your downfall? 
It's a pretty stark contrast. And one which many of the people who heard Isaiah's prophecy didn't heed, because Isaiah goes on to predict that many of them would stumble. Many of them would fall and be broken. Many of them would be ensnared and captured. And that is precisely what ended up happening to them. Three references to stones. The stones the builder rejected becomes the head of the corner, Psalm 118. God sets in place a chosen and precious cornerstone, foundation stone, Isaiah 28. And, as well, it's a rock that makes people stumble, a stone that they will trip over, Isaiah chapter 8. In his letter, Peter takes all three of those Old Testament references to stones and applies them to Jesus. Making it clear as he does so that those who stumble on the rock of Christ do so because they disobey the message. And because that outcome is predicted in Scripture, he infers this must in some way have been God's will for them. But Jesus is the stone the builders rejected that becomes the head of the corner. Jesus is the solid foundation stone that God puts in place and no one who trusts in him will ever be put to shame. And those, because he's writing to people who do believe in Jesus, those who have trusted in him, those who won't be put to shame, he goes on to say, you're honoured as a result of making that decision. You, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people who belong to God, so that you may declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. God's people are defined in terms of those who put their faith in Jesus. And but Jesus himself defines our identity. Jesus is a chosen and precious cornerstone. When we put our trust in him, we find that we are chosen and precious in God's sight. He is holy himself. When we put our trust in him, he makes us holy too. Jesus is a king and priest, ruling over our lives, representing God to us and us to God. And when we recognise that, he makes us a royal priesthood a kingdom of priests, sharing in his identity, reigning with him, sharing in his priesthood, belonging to God. And in the same way too, as Jesus is a living stone, we too are living stones. Again, his identity defines ours. The idea that Jesus is the living stone goes back to the way in which he is the stone which the builders rejected, which ends up being the capstone or the keystone. Jesus rejected by people and crucified, but actually fulfilling God's plan and purpose for his life and for our salvation. And his resurrection demonstrated that he was actually chosen by God and precious to God. Rejected, shamed, crucified, but risen in glory and in power to be vindicated by God and exalted to the highest place. He is the stone that the builders rejected. He has become the keystone, the keystone occupying the place of honour in the building. And because Jesus spoke of himself in that kind of way and resurrection was his vindication, he becomes known as the living stone. The stone that is the head of the corner because he was raised from dead, that makes him the living stone. And Peter extends the image. The keystone occupies pride of place in the building and it's put there in conjunction with other stones. So Jesus, as the living stone, holds together a building which is constructed out of other stones which, like him, are living. And that's us. As living stones who share in Jesus' life, we are built together with him to be a spiritual house. 
Not just any old house, but God's house. God's holy temple. The place where God himself dwells. And we're not just the stones out of which the temple is built, we're also the priests who live and work in the temple, who serve God there, who offer spiritual sacrifices of worship acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's a bold image. You think about the splendour, the glory, the solidity of a temple. All that swept away. God makes his home with us. God is rightly worshipped in gatherings, just like this one, made up of people who put their faith in Jesus. Peter's saying, think of the most glorious temple that you can imagine. Think of the priests who serve there and all that they do to worship and honour God. Actually, it happens with you, a small group of people meeting in someone's home, thinking you don't count for anything, thinking you're nobody's, thinking you don't matter, but you are the temple of the living God. You are a holy priesthood. You are the people belonging to God. God isn't interested in grand buildings. God looks for people who will honour his name. God isn't interested in sacrifice, which pretty much was the standard fare of any kind of religion in the ancient world. No, Peter says what God is after is the spiritual sacrifice of our worship, which we offer to him, and a life that is lived in such a way that it brings honour to his name. Where is God? Where do you go to meet God? Where do you find God? God is here. In his fullness. The presence of God is with us here tonight because we gather and worship in the name of Jesus. We are on sacred ground. Not because this building had any kind of ritual performed over it but because we meet in Jesus' name. When we meet in Jesus' name, we are a holy priesthood. We are a temple. We are built with him as living stones to be the place where God dwells. Let me linger a little bit longer on that image of us as living stones being built into a temple alongside Jesus. Because if Jesus is the cornerstone and the temple is built, we are included in its construction as we put our trust in Christ as the cornerstone. That means as there is a place for Christ in this building, there's also a place for you. Each one of us. Even those of us who feel too ashamed of who we are or what we've done. Those of us who feel we're a really awkward shape and there couldn't possibly be a place for us within this grand building which is God's dwelling place. Yes, there is a place For you, you may feel that you have no value or purpose at all, but God says different. I am laying in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. You put your trust in Jesus, there is no need to be ashamed. There is nothing to feel guilty about. There is frequently a public dimension to being ashamed. It's all about being afraid of what other people think of me. To be put to shame is to suffer public humiliation or disgrace. And the fear of undergoing that kind of shame is an emotionally crippling experience. But, and this is really important, Peter declares that no one who trusts in Jesus will ever be put to shame. 
That means that, that this place, the company of these people, church, that should be the place where people's sense of shame, if they have one, is gently and lovingly taken away. This is the place where people find acceptance. This is the place where people can lift up their heads without being afraid of what other people are thinking about them or saying about them or, or you know, talking about them behind their back. This is the place where people can come and admit they've got it wrong and know that they will find grace and love and forgiveness, not censure and judgment and shame. Because whatever we've done in the past, whatever the cause of that shame is, was forgiven and dealt with when Jesus died on the cross. However inadequate or insignificant we feel, Jesus is the one who accepts us, welcomes us, gives us a new identity as one of God's chosen people, includes us in his family, says, you, you fit here in the spiritual temple that I am building. This is your place. This is where you belong. This is where you slot in and find yourself surrounded by other stones who will support you in your place in the building I'm constructing. The church is called to be a safe place where people who've suffered rejection find acceptance and healing, where people find honour instead of shame and find there is a place for them within the purposes of God because actually the spiritual temple that God is building would not be complete without them. You might have seen the new sign that Wendy's put up at the front of church that says, trespassers will be welcomed. That reflects God's heart for anyone who feels that their conduct has placed them beyond the pale, who just feels that they're worthless or they're beyond loving or beyond redemption or just covered in a sense of humiliation and shame. God says, no, this is the place where you find forgiveness. This is the place where you find a new identity as one of your people. This is the place where your shame is taken away. This is the place where you can be built as a living stone into a temple where I am pleased to live with people who honour my name and put their trust in me. That means it's our calling to make that message of welcome, acceptance, forgiveness and redemption a reality. And whoever God brings our way to say, actually, welcome, this is where you fit in with us. And you might feel you're a really strange shape and you can't see how you possibly belong, but God has a place for you within the temple that he's building. Because Christ is the cornerstone, Christ is the keystone, Christ wants you to fit in here. As Peter says in chapter 2, verse 10, once you were nobodies, but now, now you have received mercy. Now you belong to God. Now you, you're one of his people. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the master builder. And thank you that you looked around and you saw that foundation stone and you put that in place because that was your son and, and he, 
He has the faithfulness and the goodness and the qualities that we lack and thank you that he's a firm foundation for our lives. But thank you that you find a place for each one of us within your purposes. Help us to trust you for that. And when we feel worthless and ashamed and guilty, Lord, renew your grace to us. Speak to us through your word or through somebody else. That word of grace we need to hear says you are loved. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You have a purpose in the hand of God. You belong here. Lord, witness that truth in our hearts. And Lord, in your goodness for us as a church, may people who need to know that truth find it when they come through these doors. Build us together with all comers to be a temple for you. Living stones built alongside Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected, but which has become the head of the corner. We ask these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.